Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. God is good, and I'm so grateful for the love of Jesus. How he loves us all. It's just amazing to me, the love of the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. It just embraces us with such a warmth. You know, I think about the Lord and the Father's love, and I I think about my family, and I think about my kids, and they always didn't do things right. (laughs) But I never stopped loving them. I never stopped loving them. Through all the ups and downs of life, the love was consistent. And it's a glimpse to me of how incredible the Father's love is for us. You know, if you feel guilty or ashamed or you haven't been uh, perfect or you haven't been good all the time, the the heart of the Father is that he he loves you. He sees through it. He, He sees through the blood of his Son that's washed us clean. And uh, so it's a great morning, and I'm so grateful for Pastor Zach and Rochelle for giving me the opportunity to share with you. It's, a, it's just an amazing blessing. Uh, for those that are watching at home, um, you don't have to uh, adjust your TV sets. They make me look a little heavy, but <laughs> it really, that's the TV, you know, so if you would, just don't get up off your seat. A 20th century writer said, just when I think I've learned the way to live, life changes. I wonder what he would say about the 21st century. Times always move at the same speed. Time doesn't speed up, you know. You could look at it when you were a young child and you couldn't wait till you hit 16, it was slow, but it was at the same speed as it is today. But it certainly seems like things are accelerating uh, and the rate of change is firing uh, with its afterburners. Yes. Not just the world seems to be going that fast, but us. Yes. When I look in the mirror, Oh, I look into my own heart. I've noticed quite a few changes over the years. Have you? I'm saved 49 years. I got saved on the beach in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I was chasing a girl down the beach. (laughs) I... uh, I was in show business at the time. I was in show business for nine years. And uh, you might not believe it, but uh, you could show that. I'm somewhere in there, if you could. uh, I'm actually at the bottom of the, there. And uh, had a successful career in show business. I was in 16 Magazine and had a nationwide fan club. I wrote for Tommy James and the Shondells. There there was a lot of success, but I lost myself. 
in the world of wine, women, song, drugs. I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't raised that way, but unfortunately, uh, that lifestyle led me into it. I was chasing a girl down the beach. I thought I was really cool. I was from the Bronx, and I thought I had all the good lines. I was trying to tell her how good I was and who I was, and she just kept looking at me and walking. And I told her, hey, my name's Tony. How, you know, where are you going? How, how, you know, she didn't budge. Finally turned around and said, Tony, why don't you slow your life down and let Jesus Christ lead you to some friends. You need some good friends. Amen. Now, I had people all around me. Oh, every night when I sang, the people wanted to sit with me and buy me a drink. And I had all kinds of people, but I had no friends. Nobody within my heart, nobody really knew who Anthony Moderano was. They knew this fictitious character who was on the stage. I asked her, can you help me? And she took me to a blanket where the there were kids playing guitars with Bibles open, and I thought they were from another world. <laughs> I asked them what they were smoking, and they said not, nothing. They said, Jesus Christ. And it was an amazing experience. I, I went out of my hotel every, every day and went down to that blanket, finally asked them if I could be baptized. They took me into the ocean in the pitch black night and dipped me down into the water and I came up ruined for Christ. From that day forward, I've never stopped loving Jesus Christ. I, and the gift that God has given me to be able to preach the word of God is my greatest blessing as a spiritual leader. I'm so grateful for Zach giving me the opportunity because I, I realize if I can't preach, you know, my life is not purposeful. I, I want to preach Amen. the word of the Lord. I want to speak the word of the Lord. I want to tell people about Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life. I, 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 I light up when people want to know about my walk with God or my testimony. It's, it's in my blood. So grateful for the opportunity. John 16 verse 33 says this. These things I have spoken to you that... In me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. We are being challenged daily to follow Jesus. In the world, the flesh, the devil, challenging the core of our beliefs, the idea of family, the honor of a father and a mother, the challenge of creation, male and female, yes. are all up for grabs in today's society. The biblical truth of our Lord established in his word, if not defended or protected, will be assaulted in the lifetime of an individual. We must stand faithful to God's word in these days. We battle not against flesh and blood. We battle against who, one who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. Yes. And since the garden, his lies, his deception, have twisted the truth 
What's the purpose behind this vicious attack? What's he after? It was amazing to me in a season of my life when the Lord took me to the book of Lamentations, which is not an easy book to go to. It's actually written by Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And I have seen the weeping of many through the reading of Lamentation. It gives us an analogy of, of that which speaks to us as God's children. It shows us a picture of what's going on today as far as I'm concerned, an analogy. It, it speaks in Lamentations verse 1, how lonely sits the city that was once filled with people. She's become like a widow who was once great among the provinces, a princess. She's become a forced laborer. I, I, and my heart toward single parents and kids, when I hear of a widow, I always look for children. And if you look in, uh, in verse 16, you say, for these, for, it, it speaks to Jeremiah, for these things I weep, my eyes run down with water, for far from me is a comforter, one who restores my soul. My children, they're desolate because the enemy has prevailed. There was an attack upon Jerusalem. In, in 586 BC, it was the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar. It was an attack that, uh, can you put that first Jerusalem slide up? When the attack came towards Jerusalem, the enemy attacked the outer wall of Jerusalem, but the ultimate purpose was to destroy the temple. The temple was burned. The temple was the appointed meeting place for for the people who loved the Lord to, to, to come to uh, meet with him. Jerusalem's outer wall was the first primary attack, but it wasn't the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal was take down the temple. That's what the enemy was doing in the garden. He was taking the, uh, going after the soul of Adam and Eve. Yeah. We see the attack and, and we, we understand it if, if we, we look and see today as we look at the family. And the next slide, please. The family is being attacked. The outer wall is being attacked. But that's not the ultimate goal of the enemy. If the outer wall is marriage, the, it's not the ultimate goal when a marriage falls. The ultimate goal is to destroy the temple. It's, it's to destroy the souls. Uh, the, the, if we look at the marriage and the marriage goes down and we just throw out the baby with the bathwater, we're losing sight of how to fight spiritually against the enemy that comes to rob souls when divorce or, or, or the, uh, breaking into the outer wall. It's the temple. It's always been the temple. It's the soul. We don't get to heaven because you're married 50 years. You know, the Lord doesn't say, well, bless you 50 years. Go right in. It's not like a Disneyland park. But you, it, he, he might say to the one 50 years married, you're married 50 years, but you never once told your children or loved your wife the way I told you to. You, you think you're a, a hero? You're not a hero. You're a zero. You don't belong in this place with me. And a look at the single parent who, who for, for years wept and took little steps toward him, crying, Lord, I don't know how this next day is going to be. I don't know how I'm going to feed my children. Help me, dear Jesus. My daughter, I watched you come to me every day. 
You enter into the kingdom of God. Souls. We, we, we become weak when the enemy attacks the, the outer wall. He looks for the weak one in the family. He looks for the one exposed in the family. He knows the generational bloodline, the familiar spirit moves down the bloodline, and he sees which one is set up for the previous generation's sin that he might impact them with the temptation awesome. and testing. Come on. Who's the personality type? Who's susceptible? He looks for the weakest link to sabotage. He looks for the one who has a so-so belief in Jesus. The wishy-washy one. What is truth? I don't know what truth is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We must protect the vital organs of our belief. What do you believe? I don't know. <laughs> Folks, it's, this, this is a war. This is for eternal life. Young people, sexuality is being tortured and, and tested in, in the young of today. What is your sexuality? By this, this, bisexual? If you don't know the truth about your sexuality and who created you to be a young man or a woman pure in heart, You'll be challenged by people around you, the people in your school. They'll challenge you. The devil will use anyone. And, and if you don't know the truth, you're going to be flipped upside down. I've seen it. I've ministered to those who, who thought they were gay when they were just sensitive young men. And they thought sensitivity was femininity. And I said sensitivity is strength. It's, it's strength to be a sensitive man, a gentle man. But the world would dictate, no, something's wrong with you, or, or you, woman, are too strong to be uh, a feminine. You, you need to be strong as a man. Wait a second. You're a beautiful, strong woman. It's a challenge. When the enemy attacks, especially in the area of a family, there's... There's tremendous damage. Right. It's incredible. There's a wound. I entitled this message, The Wound. Individual pain. We see the wound in our city today. Due to the family breakdown. Due, due to not only fathers, but mothers. We see wound in our city due to this family, a parental wound, a parental wound, a parental failure. The first Adam had, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 5, we, we see 
Cain and Abel. When Adam gets a, a gift from Cain of the field and the crops, and Abel brings to him parts of the lamb, Adam says no to Cain. Cain becomes angry. There's a wound in Cain. He doesn't get it solved, so he kills his brother. And the Lord says to Cain, where's your brother? And Cain says, I don't know. And he says, the blood of Abel is crying out of the streets to me. Today, the streets are crying out the blood of Abel. Brothers killing brothers. They think that will satisfy their wound. But it doesn't satisfy the wound or heal the wound. The only blood will be the blood of Christ that can heal. Zach said so wonderfully about father wounds and how they're carried in by the children. Lamentations, if you look in chapter 3, the children are crying out. The fathers have sinned and we're no more. They cry out to be fed. Our eyes weep because our children are desolate because the enemies prevail. Far from them is a comforter. Why is the comforter far from them? Because the comforter within us, we shun them because they're divorced. Mark chapter 4, when Jesus is speaking to the crowd about divorce, right after that, it's amazing that the apostles uh, shunned the children from coming unto Jesus. Well, those children, obviously to me, when Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people, they must be divorced. He's not speaking to all the people who are, are married out there. He must be speaking to them. And who would come to him after that? But the children who are crying out for a father, those who are crying out saying, I'm wounded because of my parental breakdown. And the apostles say, wait a second. Didn't you just hear him? He doesn't like you people. You, you kids. He's, he's, he said that's a problem. And he, Jesus says, get out of the way. Let those children come to me. The children from parental breakdown, I see them not as, wound, uh, not as rebellious as they're marked throughout the school and the system. I see them as wounded. Somebody needs to minister to the wound. They're reaching out and crying out to, with anger, frustration, abandonment. I spoke at Teen Challenge. I, I, I locked into Greenhaven Security Prison on death row. I, I lived in the cell with them for three days. I came out and sat with them and talked with them about Jesus. The amazing thing is when you deal with them, uh, look at them and say to them, you're not rebellious, you're wounded. Yes. And minister to that wound 
Guys wrecked by the power of Jesus Christ. Healed by the blood of the Lamb. Forgiving, capable of forgiving. For In Isaiah 53, chapter, verse 5, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. This Jesus wants to heal us. He wants us to forgive. He wants these wounds to be healed. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 20, the story about Noah being drunk and his sons reacting to his drunkenness. When he's drunk in the tent, Shem and Jephad are outside the tent when Ham, his son, goes in. When Ham goes in and sees his father drunk, he comes out and he perpetuates the problem of his father's sin by telling his brothers and speaking out of the tent, he's drunk! He's in there drunk! And Shem and Jephad back into the tent. They go backwards into the tent and they cover their father's sin. Rather than perpetuate the sin, they cover the sin. What are you doing with the wound? Well, I had an alcoholic father. That's why I'm drinking. <laughs> and then the other son says, I had an alcoholic father. That's why I don't drink. See, Jesus gives us a choice. See me, Jesus says, and you see your father. None of us had perfect fathers. We can make a different choice today to be healed of the wound and walk upright. For the wound has caused you great pain. Jesus had wounds. The book of Luke, chapter 20, Verse 27. No, 24. Jesus is with the apostles and, and he finds he, he's come back and he, they're amazed at the sight of Christ but not so for Thomas. Thomas says, I want to put my finger in his nails, Prince. I, I want to put my hand in the wound of his side. 
Jesus says, come here, Thomas. Put your finger in my hands. Put your hand in my side. When Thomas touches Jesus in the place of the wound, Thomas is healed. When you allow your wound to be touched, God will use your wound to bring healing to others. No matter what your situation, however your parental breakdown, wherever your situation of, of relationship uh, was broken, where you uh, your parents did wrong by you, your ex did this to you, or somebody hurt you, when you allow your wound to be touched by Jesus, he will heal your wound, and then he will use your wound to heal others. There was no blood flow from Jesus. Touch me. How? Don't. Ow! That hurts. It, it didn't hurt anymore. Jesus' blood, one of the personal things that make me crazy sometimes is like his blood still flowing. The blood, the blood flowed one time. The power forever flows but not the blood he's not bleeding all over the place the blood has never lost its power but we you know we use terminology like the the blood is all over the it's like whoa what have you done with your wound where'd you become wounded How long have you been bleeding? Every time the enemy reminds you of the one who wounded you, pray for that one. It drives the enemy nuts. Until the enemy says, forget about that tactic, it doesn't work. Every time I remind them of the character, they plead the blood of Jesus for him. They, they pray that he would be saved. They pray for God to touch his life in a way that would turn it totally around. Amen. When we do this, when we start to allow the Lord to protect us and protect our wound and use our wound, We start to see fire fall upon our lives. Use that next screen, please. The temple's destroyed, burned. Until the time of Zechariah. And Zechariah... The Lord says, I, I will revisit the temple again. Amen. I will rebuild the temple again. Yes. In Zechariah 2, 1 to 5, it speaks about the Lord saying, okay, this, I'm going to rebuild the temple. 
the walls of Jerusalem, and there's a guy going out there, and it says, Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a man with a measuring line in his hand. The guy was going to measure. You know, Howard, he was measuring. So I said, where are you, where, where are you going? He said to me, I, I, I'm uh, to measure Jerusalem, to see how wide it is and how long it is. Verse 3, and behold, the angel who was, who was speaking with me was going out, and another angel was coming out to meet him. And he said to him, run, 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 and speak to that young man, saying, Jerusalem will be inhabited without walls because of the multitude of men and cattle within it. Five, declares the Lord, will be the wall of fire around her. I will be the glory in her midst. We need to protect ourselves. We need the wall of fire. Not man. Not the measuring lines of the government. We need another helper. The spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit fell. Zach's spoken often to us about speaking the word with boldness. Filled with the Holy Spirit of God. When the Holy Spirit fell, it was like likened unto the time when Joel spoke. And Joel said, and it will come about that after this, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. Prophecy. I'm a spirit-filled believer. I speak in tongues. I love the gift. A gift that I received in tongues. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is more than just speaking in tongues. In this day and age, the fullness of the Holy Spirit allows us, each of us, to prophesy. Now, prophecy, the way I see it, I know there's a prophetic gift where people can use the word of wisdom or knowledge and speak over people. But when Joel says that we will all prophesy, in in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We have to speak about Jesus. We have to tell the testimony of Jesus. We need to be able to communicate what Jesus means to us. In the church, the gift of tongues, if not interpreted uh, to the unbeliever, is insanity. But the prophetic, I wish that they more that we would prophesy, we would speak about Jesus on a continual basis, that you would go out and witness about Jesus. When was the last time you witnessed about Jesus? When you talk about Jesus, 
how I love to talk about Jesus. My wife would tell you I'm not a very communicative person, but tap me about Jesus. She'd kick me under the table saying, just enough. <laughs> I love to talk about Jesus and what he's done in my life. We just are not spiritual because we speak in tongues or dance or spin around like tops. Are you willing to talk about Jesus? When the baptism fell upon Peter and, and he, he, he proclaimed Jesus. He spoke about Jesus. When they were interpreted by the understanding of the language, they, they, they spoke about Jesus. The testimony of Jesus. And then in Revelation chapter 12, verse 30, what does it say? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The testimony. Speak the testimony of what Christ has done for you. Have you opened your mouth at all to anyone about Jesus? Are you afraid to speak about Jesus Christ? Living an active, faithful life that communicates Jesus. Especially when you're tested and tempted. No, I, I don't believe in that type of sexuality. I believe what Jesus says. Not, well, I don't know. Uh, I could speak the testimony of Christ. Moses writes that you have the blessing and the curse, so choose life that you might live, you and your descendants. I'm so conscious of my descendants. I don't only love my children, I love my grandchildren. I pray for my grandchildren's grandchildren, which I'll never see. I pray for as far out as I can pray. To, to be able to love the generations. Yes. To be conscious of, am I speaking the testimony of Jesus so that they will hear of my love for Christ? An act of faith. Love the Lord your God. <clears throat> Obey his voice. Yes. Hold fast to him. We sang so beautifully in the worship team led us into this jealous love that Jesus has. Amen. To obey his voice, to obey his word. Let's not play games with it. Let's Are you willing to live according to his word? And hold fast to him. Don't let go. When tempted, when tested, don't let go. Yes. Hold on to him like you were crossing a highway with your grandchild. Hold fast to him because the enemy is seeking to steal, to kill, and destroy. But the Lord says, I've overcome the world. Yes. We are overcomers, amen? Yes. Hallelujah. Let's uh, 
The worship team, can you come back here? Father God, I, I know I carry this word this morning and, and, I, and I share it from a place, Lord, of love. Yes. A love for you. A love for your people. I pray today that we who have been wounded, those of us that have been challenged by life, relationships, where they failed, where we've been hurt from the womb, from the womb we've been hurt. We've been damaged by society, the government. We, we've been damaged by the system. We've been damaged by pastors. We've been damaged by teachers. We've been damaged by policemen. We've been damaged by brothers and sisters. We've been wounded. And we still bleed. We still hurt. It's created such an entanglement of pain in our lives that we've missed out on so much because we keep looking back rather than forward. Today, Lord, I pray for those who hear my word that this word comes from the heart of the Father that Jesus has healed us. He's redeemed us from the curse. He's touched us. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, beaten so that we could be whole, whipped so that we could be healed. This day. Let it be a day that we declare the wound has been healed. The wound has been touched by the Holy Spirit of God. No longer bleeding, no longer reacting to the touch. protect the truth 
by speaking the truth. If you need prayer, you come forward today. I'll lay my hand upon your head and ask for the spirit of fire to fall. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.